0: to Moments with Marilyn. I'm your host, Marilyn Boyer, a mom of 14 homeschool kids who love the Lord and love each other. I absolutely love young moms, and it's my passion to encourage you and provide you with tips and tools to make your job easier. Thanks for joining us today. The name of our session is Delighting in Your Children. And before we get started, let me just say that you can find us on our YouTube channel, on our Facebook page, on Spotify, and multiple other platforms. Through the years, we've done a lot of speaking at homeschool conventions, and there was a question that I would hear again and again and again. People would say, what did you do to assure that all your kids loved the Lord and loved each other? And there were three factors that would kind of pop into my mind when I was asked that question that were a large part of it. But there was also something else that I just felt I couldn't put my finger on, So first of all, it was our focus on character building. Very early when we had just one little boy, we started going to a Sunday school class for which I will forever be thankful. The man who taught it is now in heaven, um, but he taught us that scripture is practical and it addresses our everyday needs. I was a baby Christian myself, and as I was learning about character, I would try to think how can I communicate this to my kids and put it on their level. Things like obedience and honesty and cheerfulness and responsibility and self-control. So I came up with projects to help them understand those things and fun ways for them to implement that in their life. So throughout their whole upbringing, we focused on character. We later developed character studies from preschool through high school so that our kids would draw insights out of scripture, out of God's word, what God's word said about character. Character, as we said before, is just the attributes of Jesus Christ, and it's so important for our kids to learn that. The second factor was teaching our kids so much scripture. Rick worked during most of the kids' waking hours, so he came up with this idea, which turned out to be a marvelous idea. He recorded scripture for our kids to listen to while he was at work. And in so doing, we played these Bible CDs at bedtime and nap time, and our kids learned so much scripture. What it actually did is teach them how to meditate on the Word and gave them a biblical frame of reference, and that was so important. And the third thing was teaching them to have a servant's heart. We would take our kids by the hand and visit elderly people and shut ins. And I would teach my kids to listen for little hints of things that they liked, like maybe the woman, what kind of flowers she liked, or what kind of candy bar, things that we could bring them when we would visit them again. And it became a lifestyle for them. We did this through all of their growing up years. And now it blesses my heart so much to hear that my kids are still doing that now that they're adults. When I hear that they have ministered to people in the church, when I didn't even know that they were doing it, it just really blesses my heart. It's something that they internalized and they are still carrying that out today. They are such servants. And that's a big part of it. But I also felt like there was something that I just couldn't articulate. And I was talking with my third son, who's a big thinker. He's, he's got a lot of insight into people. And talking with him, he said, Mom, you and Dad really loved us, but it was more than that. It was deeper than that. You delighted in us. He said, we had the sense that you would rather be with us than anywhere else in the world, that there's nothing you would rather do than be with us. And all the little things that we did brought you such delight and such pleasure. And he said, growing up in that, I didn't realize it. But he said, it is such a heritage, and I want to continue that with my kids now. He said, when I come home from work every day, I want to shut work off in my mind. And when I walk through that door, I want my kids to realize that the most important time of my day, what brings me delight is when I come home to them in the evening. So, you know, I I never really had thought about that. So you have to study them to see what their passions are, what their interests are, what motivates them, what discourages them, and then try to minister to their hearts in a way that they can relate to. For instance, Nate told of this one instance, which I don't even remember, where his little brother, Tuck, wanted to sell, he said basically it was some junk that he didn't want anymore, at the road, a roadside stand. And he said, you encouraged him to do it. And I thought, boy, mom has really lost it. She's gone off her rocker. And as it turned out, Tuck lost interest and forgot about it before he ever did it. But Nate said, mom, what you communicated to him, even if he had done that and nobody had wanted to buy any of his junk, what you communicated is that you believed in him, that you encouraged him to try it, Instead of saying, that's a stupid idea, nobody wants that junk. Instead, you encouraged him, and that's what he would have remembered. And, you know, we found that letting your kids fail is an important step to success. It's okay to fail. That's part of learning. It's part of success. Thomas Edison tried 700 things before he found a filament for a light bulb. And his mom encouraged him when he was little to try things. Another example of that, I remember Ricky, when he was probably two years old, he had a little hoe and he was out in the garden, chopping, 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 and he had a bowl of soup in his hand. And we said, Ricky, what are you doing? He said, I'm planting soup. (laughs) I don't know if he thought a plant would grow with little bowls of soup on it or just how that would work. But anyway, we let him try that. And obviously the soup didn't grow, but he learned from that. Another example, one of our sons did plant experiments, and some plants he would yell at and other plants he would sing to to see if the ones he sang to grew better, and actually they really did. (laughs) Um, Another thing, we had one daughter who, from the time she was little, wanted to fly, and one day I found her on the chicken house with helium balloons and garbage bags tied to her back, and she was going to jump off the chicken house and fly. Now, she couldn't have got hurt. I wouldn't have let her jump off the roof of the house, but the chicken house was low enough that I knew she wouldn't get hurt. So I let her try it. I didn't say, that's stupid. That's not going to work. You know, let your kids try some things. Be excited about it with them. Um, they need to trust you with their heart, and they need to know that you have their best interests at heart. They need to know that they are more important to you than your goals or your plans or your schedule. You know, I homeschooled my kids for 37 years, long season. And there was a friend at church that wanted to get me to go to ladies' Bible study for 37 years. But I told her, I can't. I'm homeschooling my kids. I can't leave them during that time. So you've got to put some of the things you would like to do on the back burner. Now, your season's probably not going to be 37 years like mine was, but that was something that I just had to put on the back burner and not do until I got my kids schooled and raised. And, you know, I did like being with them. I remember another time when I was leaving to go speak at a homeschooling convention, one of my daughters said, Mommy, you don't know what it's like to have a mom who leaves you to go speak. And I just I explained to her that you know what I would much rather be with you. And I I would, but this is something God has called me to do, and I need to encourage other young moms. But you know what? I would much rather be with you. Now you pray for me when I'm gone, and you're having a part in encouraging other moms by letting your mom be gone for this for the weekend. Sometimes, when your kids want your attention, you can't give it to them. You can't just drop whatever you're doing and do what they want. But if my kids would come to me and say, Mommy, come see the sandbox, the castle that I built in the sandbox, and I was fixing supper, I would say, You know what? I would rather be in the sandbox with you. But Mom needs to get supper in the oven. So as soon as I get it in the oven, I'll come to the sandbox and look at your castle. So you're letting them know that you would rather be with them. But you can't do it right now. Be alert to your kids' needs. As my kids grew older, the older kids, the teenagers, needed to talk sometimes. And I would notice they would hang around after the little kids went to bed. They'd just be kind of hanging around in the living room and It was kind of a signal to me that they had something on their mind. So I spent many hours after 11 o'clock talking with my older kids about their values or their friendships or what they wanted to do for a living or things that bothered them that were on their mind. You know, your kids need to talk about values. They don't just accept your values. And I wanted them to know why I brought them up the way I did and why my values were what they were. So it's so important to talk to your kids. So you need to make time for them when they feel a need to talk to you. And you know what, it's usually never convenient. (laughs) Kids who are not given to us for our convenience, but we don't want to communicate to them that they're a burden. We want to communicate that they are more important to us than our own plans and our own schedules and our own time. Another example is my youngest daughter got interested in World War II because my dad was a vet. So we would see men in Walmart with their World War II vet caps on, and she'd say, Mom, let's go talk to them. So I'd go up, and we'd introduce ourselves. We'd thank them for their service. And then we got to where we would ask them where they fought and, if, and then ask them if we could interview them at a later time. And she got so interested in this. We started doing this for history. We would go to vets' homes or meet them in a restaurant and would ask them in advance, you know, what, um, where they fought. Like if they fought in the Battle of the Bulge, we'd read up on the Battle of the Bulge before we went so we could ask them intelligent questions. And we learned so much history, and she just loved history. I think she could have done history all day long because it was related to real people. She met those real people. And she is a daughter that now is a pilot and I think a World War II ace that we met and visited often who lives about lived about an hour from us helped inspire her to become a pilot. He would he actually flew under the Eiffel Tower and shot down a German Messerschmitt like under the Eiffel Tower. And years later, a man came to his house in Roanoke, Virginia, knocked on his door. He opened the door. And the man said, are you Mr. Overstreet? And he said, yes, I am. And he said, I want to shake your hand. He said, my dad was standing under the Eiffel Tower when you shot down that Messerschmitt. And I just want to thank you for freeing the people of Paris from the Germans. Like, (laughs) you know, when you hear stories like that, it is so motivating. So that became a passion with her, and I, I can't even tell you how many vets we interviewed. We would set up appointments and go to their homes and talk to them, and it just helped her become who she is today. My three younger kids would do that with me. I wish I'd done it with all my kids, but we didn't figure it out till till later on in our kid-raising experience, our homeschooling experience. Um, just another kind of short ideas. We had 14 kids. It was hard to spend time with each one of them and make them feel special. So we started doing what we called special nights. And on a rotating basis, we would take one of our kids out at a time. We would let them choose which restaurant they wanted to go to within reason. And we would talk to them about what they wanted to talk about that whole time. And sometimes we found the ones that were quiet when they were home with all the other kids were yakety yakety talking the whole evening. And then sometimes maybe we'd take them to the bookstore or the library or somewhere else that they wanted to go afterward. But we we wanted to communicate that you're important to us and we want to spend time with you. And now we have um, extended that special times to our grandkids. And on a rotating basis, we will take one or two of our grandkids out to eat and just spend special time to them because I want to communicate to my grandkids that they are special to me. They're important and I like them and I like being around them. Um, We also try to do some things with our grandkids that their parents can't. If their parents have four or six or seven kids, it's hard to take them all around to interview vets or something. So that's something that I try to do with the grandkids to make it special for them. So, now that our kids are grown up, we only have two living at home, the others have all grown up and left our home, how does this pay off? And Rick always says, now we have the payoff. We have 14 kids, we've got daughters-in-law, sons-in-law, 22 grandchildren, and we get together every Friday night. It's like the highlight of our week. Everybody gets together who's able to come, and we share a meal together. We'll provide some of the food, and the other daughters and daughters-in-law will bring the rest of the food, and we get together and just hang out and talk, or um, I'll play with the little grandkids, or we'll sing hymns together sometimes. Just spend special time together. You know, we still treasure our kids and our grandkids, and we want to spend that time with them. So another time I'll talk about family traditions, but there are things that you can do as a family to develop family traditions that's just special with you and your family to make them feel important. So remember, whenever you spend time teaching your kids the word, you are never wasting time. God's word never returns void. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.